You have to believe that the future is better. You have to believe that there is opportunity. Yeah. And I think that, you know, being pessimistic about it doesn't do us any good. I've always felt in my spirit. I was born with several palsy. I have always felt small. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up, use their voice, and make an impact in this world. You're listening. To the weekly parody. Hey, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host. If you have ever thought about building a personal brand, you are going to want to turn this up. Today, I talked with Rebecca Coleman. She is the co-founder of a creative agency called Something Massive, and we talked all about personal branding. Listen, even if you have another brand outside of yourself, or maybe you work for a company, we talked today about how we can still build that personal brand and why it's so important. What I really loved about what Rebecca brought to the table is she addressed this from the position of someone who may not be extroverted or really forward with their messaging. Maybe you are a little bit more withdrawn or reserved maybe introverted and that's okay. There's still ways to build your personal brand. And she really encouraged us that you don't have to fit into one specific mold. You don't have to do X. You can be completely yourself. In fact, that is the best thing that you can do for your brand. Before we get started with this interview, I wanted to remind you guys, we are having all kinds of of free workshops in our private Facebook group around content creation. And I just wanted to invite you. It's completely free. Just want to provide value to those of you who have podcasts or blogs. Maybe you want to start one, but you struggle with consistency, overwhelm. If you just need some help building systems and processes out to take a little bit of that stress away, I really, really want to help you. So head over to Facebook, put in unconventional leaders. All the information is right there. Would love, love to have you apart. And also, lastly, if you've been listening for a little while, I would really appreciate for you to leave an honest review in iTunes. Really appreciate those of you who have done that so far. I read every one of them and it just makes my day. Uh, but yeah, anyway, let's go ahead and get started with this interview with Rebecca Coleman. Well, it really starts when I was 12. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I decided that I wanted to work in advertising. I was obsessed with Coca-Cola advertising. And I asked my grandfather for stock in Coca-Cola for my butt mitzvah. No way, really. Yes, when I turned 13. And he gave me a couple shares for my bat mitzvah. And um, I only applied to advertising programs for college. And I went to Syracuse University, which at the time was the top advertising program in the country. And I came right out and um, wanted to be in advertising. So I, this is that, you know, a lot of little girl, I have a little girl right now and you know, um, it's would it sounds so odd to me now that I have a little girl that when I was a little girl, I wanted to be in advertising. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, so I came right out um, during the dot com era, 
and worked in dot-com and found my way to an agency and worked my way up to president of that agency. And in 2006, we sold the agency and um, became the second largest independent uh, digital agency in the U.S., and I was the GM and I oversaw 10 offices and it was a whirlwind and I was on a plane all the time and I just had a baby mm-hmm. and um, I uh, stayed there for a few years doing that. Um, and then I took a year off and at that time it was 2009 mm-hmm. and everything had changed. So I had worked at this um, sort of interactive agency and we built a lot of websites and we Um, did a lot of work to get people to come to those websites. And now suddenly um, social had exploded. So there was Facebook um, and Twitter and YouTube. Instagram was in its infancy. And um, we realized that the way that you could market as uh, a person and as a brand had completely changed uh, in in the digital space. Hmm. And so we decided to start a different kind of agency and it was really fun because we didn't have to pivot a whole bunch of people all to a new kind of agency. We could just start from scratch with, um, you know, the, the, some of the money we had made on selling the previous agency. And so we didn't take any investment money. We just uh, rented office space in Venice um, where Snapchat now is. That's really funny. We rented this office space um, in Venice, like this tiny office space and decided to create an agency that was really built for um, content and social, digital, um, and the new way of um, communicating with customers. Um, And what is so exciting about this is that it used to be that you had to be a huge brand with huge dollars so you could tell your brand story on television, Mm -hmm. and now suddenly everybody could tell their brand story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference, really. And I don't think we, we've really even realized that yet and realized the potential in it because I feel like a lot of us feel so trapped by the dollars and by not having X resources when really all of it is at our fingertips and really tapping in and understanding that something I feel like we've, we've yet to even yet to even approach. What have you found in switching from your the more traditional ways of advertising into social media and all of that? Was it an easy adjustment for you or was it difficult? I mean, there are some things about it that are just amazing and easy because Mm -hmm. it is a lot of um, feedback. And so you can try a lot of small things, Mm -hmm. test things, and then have incremental improvements. So um, we started working with Plum Organics when they were a Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley startup and worked with them uh, until they became the number one organic Mm -hmm. baby food brand. And it's a gr- that's a great example. We we had this hunch that um, that new moms might um, react positively to a brand that would talk about sex um, and how hard it is um, after you have had birth to like kind of get back in the mood again. And we were concerned about doing a huge campaign around that if that would not be positively received. Mm. Um, so for Mother's Day, we did um, a letter from a more uh, experienced mom to a letter to uh, the letter went from a more experienced mom to a new mom, just basically telling the new mom um, that they've been there and that it's going to mm-hmm. get better. And so we did five different storylines. And one of the storylines was, you know, if you don't feel like having sex right now, that's totally normal. And eventually you'll get your um, you get back in your groove, but it takes a while. 
And so we did these five and that was one of the five. So it was the five weekdays leading up to Mother's Day. And that was the most commented on, shared, liked um, video. Wow. And so we, after that did so well, we built an entire campaign around that. And, you know, that's where their media, you know, they didn't spend a lot of media dollars against the Mother's Day one. So it's a great Mm -hmm. example of how you can have these little incremental ideas, put them in market, see how they do, and then build an entire campaign or brand around that. So that feedback's great. Hmm. I love that. Now, you also have a passion for personal branding, too. Um, First of all, okay, I love your website. Can we talk about that? Your website is on point. If you guys have to check it out, I'll look it in the show notes. But your um, about section where you guys have the different photos of you, I've never seen anything like that. It was so creative, beautifully put together. Um, And it seems as though you work with a lot of teams and companies, but you also have a personal branding passion where you want to help people, like you said, no matter where in their career, build a personal brand. Why yes. is that so important? Well, I, it, I have a real passion. I'm happy to help everyone, but I have a real passion around um, helping um, women and also um, be taking part in inclusivity and diversity and building that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about um, women in leadership and how few women are um, actually in the C-suite. So we as women are graduating at a much higher rate um, from esteemed programs um, than men are. And we have no problem getting into management, but we have a real hard time getting into that um, executive level leadership. Um, So I'm really passionate about um, providing women with the tools um, that help them understand how to get there and Mm. what they can do to, to get there. What are some of those tools? So those tools are definitely something that women and men can both use. Okay. I just think it's something that men have uh, had a harder time, uh, in, sorry, an easier time navigating. Um, so for instance, one of the things is networking. So women tend to um, be very focused on getting their work done and doing a very good job mm-hmm. at their work. So if you have something due and the team's like, hey, Um, come out, we're going for drinks, or there's this event, women will often say, I have to, I I can't leave, I have to put the finishing touches on this proposal. But 80 to 85% of your next opportunities, either internally or externally come from your network. So that one proposal that you're putting the finishing touches on, it's not what's going to get you to that next level. That's true. That is so true. And so I'm not saying don't do a good job, but I am saying that it's really important to you know, know how to work your network. And, you know, Mm -hmm. people say like business gets done on the golf course. That's, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Is that a lot of opportunities come from, you know, working your network. And so you have to put that hat on when someone says, Hey, come out for drinks and realize that may be a more important opportunity, even though it feels social than finishing the proposal you're working on. That is so good. That is so good. Another thing you mentioned uh, was taking risks as a female entrepreneur. And you not only have done this in the building your own agency, but you worked your way up before and were very successful. I'm sure a lot of that was taking risks on your part. So can you walk us through what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, I think there is, um, there is a natural propensity to want to be liked 
um, for, for people in an organization. And I think that um, sometimes people sort of over-focus on wanting to be liked. And um, I certainly would not recommend wanting to be disliked. Um, but it's important to have an opinion and be heard and come to the table with ideas and um, show that you have um, business acumen. Um, some of that is standing up, mentioning that things should be done differently and not in a combative way, right. but it's really important to, you know, have a point of view. So um, I always encourage my employees when they come in and say, is this how you wanted it? I always say, is it how you wanted it? Mm. That's the question I ask back. I'm not ordering at a restaurant a very specific meal. I'm asking you to take on a project. So it shouldn't be good enough for me. It should be good enough for you. That's good. Um, so it's really important to take that on yourself. Take every sort of assignment and opportunity as um, not a, uh, an idea that you're presenting back to someone to meet their needs. It needs to be something that you're doing um, that you would be proud to say is your own work. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that does tap into the personal branding aspect of where mm -hmm. you're viewing yourself mm -hmm. as, as the brand as opposed to just the company that you've created or so forth. Again, why, to tap back into that, why do you think it's so important for us to have a personal brand? I, I feel like we have a tendency to almost hide behind where, who we're working for or even the company we've created. And it's, I've had so many people say to me that they struggle. Yesterday I was on a call with someone and they said, I, I struggle even putting my picture up and putting my name on things and stuff. I just want to have the, the name of my brand up front. Putting myself out there is really difficult. Why is that? And why is it so important to push past it? I mean, it's a lot about the authenticity. I think consumers today um, have a lot of choice, more choice than they've ever had, more ways to um, engage than they ever have. And part of what they're looking for is connection yeah. um, and authenticity. And without a human, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. And so it's really important that people understand the individuals behind um, what they're engaging with. And um, in the end, um, you and I have, I'm sure, both had the experience of like staying at a hotel and um, a very anonymous hotel experience, experience, you check in and you go to your room and um, then you leave the next day and you never remember that hotel. But yeah. if, on, if on occasion you go to a hotel and the manager leaves you a note in the room introducing themselves saying, if there's anything you need, please call me or they call the room and say that. Or um, on the way out, you have you you engage with a concierge. Mm -hmm. You remember that hotel mm -hmm. because you had a human experience there. Mm -hmm. If you're on a business trip, or if you're on a vacation, it's a perfect example of how your brand experience was very varied based on mm -hmm. that human face and name that you could put to the experience. Yeah. How have you guys at something massive implemented that yourselves? being able to individually have mm -hmm. brands. For me personally, um, as I mentioned, I'm really passionate about um, being a female entrepreneur, being yeah. someone that people can look up to, um, having some tools that I can provide co concrete ways that you can get better 
at finding your way to that executive suite. But I also um, really like to write bylines. So um, there was just one published this week in Marketing Dive about the importance of rethinking your social pages. Mm. Um, And uh, I wrote one uh, a few weeks back um, about how women need to stop working harder and start working smarter. Um, And so... Wow. For me, for me, my medium that I like is writing. And okay. I think that's when you asked me about personal brand. And when you told me that story about someone who just told you like they have a hard time even putting their picture on something. Um, I think part of getting great at a personal brand is finding your own comfort comfort zone instead of trying to do what everyone else is doing. Oh, that's good. So so in my industry, in advertising, there are a few people who are sort of like cult of personality people. They have very loud voices. Their agencies may be named after them. Um, they, they do a lot of videos about what brands should be doing and how to be smarter. And um, that works for them. That feels great to them. They enjoy doing that. I personally... Um, don't, I don't really like being a cult of personality. I like being, I like going a little deeper, um, going a little bit more authentic, having very concrete examples of how I have um, achieved those things versus like telling you how to achieve them generally. So I found my medium was writing. Mm-hmm. So for me, more long form writing where I can sit down and write a piece um, and try to get that piece published is a better, more authentic way of building my personal brand than maybe, you know, making a series of direct to camera videos or going on, um, you know, uh, some kind of show. Right. So I think it's important when you're doing your personal brand, not to look at what everybody else is doing and try to do all those things, but finding your comfort zone. Are you someone who loves Twitter? Do you want to be part of it? Are you good in like very short form, um, you know, very restrictive number of character posts, or do you like long form? Do you like to be on camera? Do you not? Do you want to just do audio stuff? Those are the kind of things that you have to figure out because it's overwhelming when you try to do, you know, do it the way someone else is doing it. Yes. Yes, because there's so many different options out there that you just don't even order. I was on another call yesterday, and somebody was saying that very thing. They said, I, I feel like I should be podcasting. And I said, well, do you want to podcast? And they're like, not really. And I'm like, well, why should you podcast? Yes, you are saying exactly what I'm talking about. There's so many people that feel like they should be doing something a certain way. Yeah. So how do we – this is, this is, I I completely agree with what you're saying. This is where I I get tripped up on. And I love your opinion is we need to lean into the authentic expression of ourselves. Because again, like I said, I feel like the more and more we tap into this online space, the more of a demand it's going to need for authenticity and real human beings. So we've got to lean into that. But in the same sense, also push ourselves a little bit outside of our comfort zones where um, in the sense of, you know how there's so much fear (laughs) wrapped around producing content and showing yourself fully online. I I don't want uh, people to become resistant of that either, where you have to push a little bit and get your message out there and not have self doubt and fear and worry. So kind of how do you balance that of 
being authentic and leaning into your strengths, but also not pushing yourself the way that you could. Yeah. I think it's a little bit about putting one foot in front of the other and starting with one thing at a time. And your one thing at a time about building your personal brand could be that you tell yourself, I want to have coffee with a new person every week for Mm. 20 weeks in a row, which is a baby step that is not online, but it is getting you out there talking to people and building your personal brand face-to-face, peer-to-peer, one-on-one. There, it doesn't have to start with, uh, I'm setting up for a whole podcast and <laughs> I have to get people that I'm interviewing. And I mean, it's, right. I mean, hats off to you because it's a big undertaking and it yes. takes a lot of effort and it, Herculean. It, it is, um, you know, you, you, you have to find the, pe- you have to get the setup. You have to find the mm-hmm. people you got to get in your groove. You got to edit the stuff together. You have to be consistent. So you continue to have listeners. That's a big undertaking. Right. Um, but you know what? So is having convincing yourself to have coffee just once a week with a new person. That's true. Um, yeah. It is. They're all, they're all efforts. And so sometimes you can, if you start with a goal that feels um, more comfortable or achievable or less public, mm-hmm. then you, are able to move up to the next thing. Hey, I've mm-hmm. talked with all of these different people. I've gotten lots of ideas. I'm good at talking now. Where's the next place I can talk? Right. That's so good. I feel like that takes so much pressure off. What is the one thing in front of you? The small little thing, do that. That's so good. Yeah. You've mentioned some tools. You said networking. You've talked about taking risks. What is something else that listeners can do if they're wanting to do a better job at building their own brand? I think part of what you need to figure out is what you want to achieve, what your end goal is. And if there's a short-term end goal and a long-term, why? What is your reason for building your personal network? Is it to find a new job? Is it to get customers? Is it to um, build influence so that your job is to be an influencer? Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people have, um, are paralyzed and they're paralyzed because, you know, about this idea of building their old brand, because they don't really know ultimately what their goal is. They just feel like they should do it. It's something that they have to do or that they should do because other people are doing. I think if you kind of know your end goal, it's easier, the flow of content and what you provide in your um, personal branding is a lot easier. That's good. And if it's, if it's two pronged or three pronged, then you can kind of lay those out. You know, I want to at a minimum um, establish myself as an expert in this category. That right. might be one part. Why do I want to establish myself as an expert? I want to be able to get a better job. So those there's two parts. Um, so I think part of it is um, figuring out your your reason for having that personal brand. And then once you figure that out, that's at the core and everything's sort of radiating out from there. Right, right. I'm sure you've ran across this helping so many people with their own brands and their own messages is probably lack of clarity. I know that is something that I feel like a lot of big picture leaders deal with because there's so many ideas and there's so many directions and they're so multifaceted. And I know for me, I could give you a laundry list of all the things that I would just love to pursue and I just can't. How do we become really clear and understand what our goal is when we are multifaceted individuals? 
Yeah, I think that um, you and I sort of briefly touched on this before when, uh, before mm -hmm. we even got on. I think that there is permission today to be a person who is well-rounded and isn't only focused on one area. Um, I think that uh, individuals find those of us who have other interests than just our job um, more fascinating and potentially can have more in, more reasons to engage with that person if that yeah. person has lots of different areas that they're interested in, et cetera. But I think that um, when you're starting your personal brand, mm -hmm. you have to start it around one thing because it's important for people to understand who you are. So I don't think that you have to separate them and have four different streams going at the same time where this is where I talk about this thing. This is where I talk about that thing. You're a whole person and you have a lot of different varied interests, but it's important when you're starting to kind of know where you should start. So right. that's why that's it's good. important to kind of have a, uh, something at the core that you're going for. That's so good. That's so good. Rebecca, where can people connect with you online? Find something massive. I loved the case studies on your website. It was really cool seeing how you were able to take these brands and just create so such a successful campaigns, um, videos, photography. Do you guys do the photography too? Yes, everything on there we did in-house. So impressive, so impressive. Where can people check you out? So our website is just somethingmassive.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reb Coleman. That's R-E-B-C-O-L-E-M-A-N. That's awesome. That's wonderful. I have all of that linked up in the show notes. I've been asking this question lately. Um, I feel as though sometimes there's such a dissonance between people who, you know, we see as like, oh, they're successful. They've achieved this and, and us. There's such a difference. And we think, oh, we could never get there. How could we ever bridge that gap and reach that level of success? And when I hear you sharing, you know, how you're able to build yourself up and create something massive, I, I don't want listeners to put that dissonance between you and them where they can't create their own amazing brands and do apply everything that you've said. What would be some just tactical advice from someone who is starting off, who's resonating with what you're saying, but may feel so unqualified to step into this permission that you're saying of giving themselves permission to be themselves and authentic and build a personal brand? I mean, I think the best advice I can give someone that like that is to maybe Google imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because even when you have built something and you're working with some of the best brands and you've been successful, um, there are days that I wake up and feel like I can't possibly achieve. Yeah. I can't possibly achieve what I think I can achieve. I can't possibly have been this successful. And I think that everyone has doubts like that, including people who have all of the resources yes. at their disposal. I actually just finished the book Becoming last night, the new Michelle Obama book. I don't know if you've read it, but there's an epilogue and the epilogue of the book was my favorite part of the book because she talks about how she too is frustrated sometimes that feels like she doesn't, she's powerless or she can't get things done. And even on a day-to-day -day scale, I mean, this is someone who was in the white house yeah, and has an incredible network. Talk about a network. And she just feels frustrated. She can't get things done. I, as an owner of a company, sometimes, you know, we deliver something that I don't think's up to par. And I ask myself, how, how was I not able to get my company 
to deliver this well, even though I said how important it is. Yep. It's, not everything is always at your fingertips. Not everything is always in your control. So yeah. I think be um, it very successful, extremely networked and extremely well-connected people also have days where you don't know how you're going to get things done. Yes. And you just have to do them. That is you just so have good. to do them. That's so good. We held a summit. I hosted a summit this summer where I interviewed 20 speakers on this topic of imposter syndrome. The entire summit was on imposter syndrome and from doctors to, you know, business owners, everybody in between every single person, no matter how successful. said they still struggle with it on a constant basis. And I said that was my last question, but let me ask you this and I'll let you go. What is the difference between people who feel that self-doubt and fear and they let it paralyze them versus someone who feels that fear and self-doubt and they still move forward? Optimism. Mm. I think the difference is optimism. Okay. Is, is you have to have that glass half full approach because um, otherwise it can kill you. I mean, there is... You have to believe that the future is better. You have to believe that there is opportunity. And I think that, you know, being pessimistic about it doesn't do us any good. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.